0: Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. Come on, give God a great, great shout. Come on, come on, bless the Lord, all oh my soul. Come on, all that he's doing. Give someone a high five and say, I believe God's going to use you to change San Diego. I believe God's going to, can you throw that up on the stage? Oh, there you all are. Look how handsome and beautiful you are. Hey, can we give a, uh, give a great round of applause to the great team that uh, worship led this morning? <laughs> guys did such a fabulous job. Where's uh, Where's Pastor David and Little Lou, Little Lou Breeze. Hey, can you guys stand up? St- stretch your hands out towards Pastor David and Brianna. You know, the, the positive side of Sharia law being introduced in the schools is it gives us leverage to say, how, why are you discriminating against one or the other? And, uh, and then, you know, even your Bible has two parts. And the first part is the law and the prophets. So it's always the law comes in and then the prophets and then grace. And, uh, and I just felt the Holy Ghost just say, just listening to you speak, David, there's, a, there's an even greater anointing and an even greater increase. And I felt the Lord tell me to say that he's raising you and Brianna. This, this anointing doesn't just rest on David. The dew doesn't just fall on David. The cloak and the mantle doesn't just fall on David. It falls on David and Brianna to to be a prophet to this generation, to be a prophetic voice to this generation, to to be a, a husband and wife, a man and woman who see ahead and declare today, who see tomorrow but speak it today. Who uh, who know how to in the midst of the storm speak harbor? Who know how in the midst of crises how to speak calm and how to speak hope and and I just see that there's a there's an anointing, there's a mantle that's that's coming down from heaven. Uh, and you've begun to already walk in it, you've begun to unpackage it, but I just, I just felt God say that He's raising you up to be a, a prophetic voice to this generation. It rests on the man of God, David, and it rests on the woman of God, Brianna Chittick. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, is beautiful Audrey and Christopher Steensma here? <clears throat> Can you guys stand up? Can you guys stand up? <clears throat> I just I I cannot I cannot even begin to express how appreciative and just how magnificent! What a magnificent! I mean, you are you're just redefining what the word magnificent means. How long have you guys been married? Is it is it six months or is it just me? Seven months? Six months? I I thought it might have been six months. There you go. Six months ago you guys got got uh, married, and uh, we used to have some. Uh, some of those lovely Christian folks that, um, you know, are well-meaning but just need a good slap up the side of the head, Christian folks, who uh, had this 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 kind of this uh, philosophy when we first started the church that oh, anyone that gets married should take a year off from anything because in the Old Testament, if, you know, uh, they got married, they had a year off and it's because Israel was in uh, in a season of war and so they needed to make sure there was a baby so that if he got killed in the war, that his wife had somebody who could look after her because they didn't have a pension or social security. That was how it worked. Your, your children looked after mama or papa, and so they took a year off. And so, but, you know, people like to spiritualize things, and they brought that in, and they just take a year off. And so we're trying to build teams, and, and we've got people getting married and pulling off teams. And we're like, who's been talking to you? And So anyway, but uh, these guys, since, since before, since while they were courting, were serving together. And then it's like everywhere I look, I see this phenomenal couple. And I just looked at you this morning, uh, Audrey, and I felt God say, just tell them because they are so committed to my house. You will lack nothing. You will lack for nothing. You will lack for nothing. You will lack for nothing. And Christopher do Steensman, don't, don't even let the devil... You know, he, he will. He'll whisper into your head, San Diego's expensive. You'll, you know, maybe read a report how difficult it is for young couples to get a home. But God just says, don't, don't, don't let those words be the final word. Come to my word. My word says that I own the cattle on a thousand hills as well as the thousand hills. That the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That God gives the wicked the job of gathering. That he may give it to him who is good before God. And and I just see as you've devoted yourself to his house, you watch what he's going to do. He's going to build your house. He's going to build your house. I'm not sure where you're living right now, but I see this really kind of cool, beautiful apartment with more space than what you need. And it's got like a pool and it's kind of cool complex. And you kind of feel like you're on a vacation on a second honeymoon and it's going to be yours. It's not a rented one. It's going to be yours. It's going to be yours. It's going to be, you're going to sign the title. It's going to be Chris. And Audrey Steensmart, they own this one and it's going to go up and then there's going to be another one and another one and you're not going to lack. You, you are not going to lack. The hand of God is all over you guys. I'm just so proud of you. Give these guys a great round of applause. I could not be more proud of them. Where's beautiful Sharisee? Is Sharisee still in here or is she, she, she just walked out? Was it something I said? It probably was something I said, wasn't it? Here she comes. Would you... Beautiful Sharisi, lift your hands, girl, where you are. I love Sharice. <laughs> if only we could clone her. <laughs> You're cl- very cloneable. But uh, I, I literally, I, I was watching you worshiply this morning. And as clear as I've ever heard the Holy Spirit speak, he says, because the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. But I heard him say, I delight in her. That there's a, what you bring onto the stage is not just a great voice and you don't just bring a right heart. You, you bring this beautiful, very, very uncomplicated, such a beautiful thing to have uncomplicated worship leaders. Oh God, oh Jesus. Anyway, sorry, uh, to have uncomplicated worship leaders who, who just bring this beautiful, very simple, childlike, uncomplicated worship and delight and devotion and uh, and because you delight yourself in Him, He delights Himself in you. And the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. If you can just keep yourself in that track, and it's not hard, you're already in there, and you're digging deep grooves, so it's hard for you to get out. But don't let a offense, don't let anything that the enemy will try and throw. You keep yourself in that place where you just delight yourself in God. And, uh, and don't let anybody be condescending. Oh, I like your childlike simplicity, as though you know it's a demeaning condescending thing that you know maturity is complicated intelligent people know how to take a complicated thing and make it simple yes. a, anybody can complicate the simple but when you simplify the complicated that's wisdom that's intelligence and uh and so don't let anybody you know ever speak down to that but i just see god just saying that that your testimony, your testimony, not just this year and not just for the next five years, but for your life in this zone is as you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. And, and people almost get sick of it. Oh my gosh, here comes Cherise. What's God done now? You're like, oh my gosh, guys, you're not gonna, I was praying for this and, you know, and it's gonna be like that. And I just see just God's goodness towards you, God's favor towards you. He loves you. We love you. We think you're amazing, Sharice. Absolutely beautiful. And then Andessa. Isn't just like Andessa, just like an angel of the Lord, just just looking at you up there, you really are. Don't even laugh at that, it's the truth. I, I, I looked at you and I remember this beautiful teenage girl that came to our church, gosh, got to be like close to 10 or 11 years ago, right when we started. And uh, just looking at the extraordinary mama and beautiful wife and amazing worship leader and heart for the house and team player and servant and kingdom builder and... You know, and I, I just just want to just pray over you and just release a word over you. So can you quickly just stand up, just uh, just so you can just receive into your spirit. Just stretch your hands out towards beautiful and death. Uh, and Father, we just speak blessing. We speak life over the Garcia house. And we declare favor over James, that he walks in favor. He walks in favor because there's favor on this girl. He walks in blessing because there's blessing on this girl. And Father... Uh, the beautiful little daughter who has the lyric, is that right? Yeah, beautiful little lyric who, who will be a voice and who will be a minstrel and who will carry worship. And I see, see her writing and I see melody and harmony. You know, her name is Lyric, but there's melody and harmony that God has placed in her. That, that is, She's going to be in tune with the strum and the, the drumbeat of heaven and the strum of strings in heaven. She, she'll hear and she'll translate it and she'll move people on the earth. And, and Father, we just thank you for this beautiful woman of God. And God is with you. God is with you. And, and don't, don't fear the valleys. I just hear God saying, Don't fear the valleys. It's in the valleys where you discover that he's with you on the mountaintops everyone wants to be up there with you and on the mountaintops you, you you know you have lots of friends and it's celebration and it's fun and you need those moments but it's in the valley where people are like oh, I don't know if I want to walk in the valley of the shadow of death. that's where you really begin to feel God and that's where you'll sense His presence and you'll sense His purpose and you'll feel His power and that God is with you so don't fear the valleys I just see that there's just been a few things you've walked through uh, you know And uh, but I just see God just saying hey I'm with you I'm with you on the mountain I'm with you in the valley I will not Leave you, I will not forsake you, and I will show you that I'm with you. You'll see my hands, you'll see my presence, you, you'll feel my, my arms picking you up, wrapping you up, lifting you in my wings, and I just see favor all over you. You're just amazing, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah! It's beautiful to, to prophesy, and uh, we're a prophesy church in Jesus' name. And now I'm in trouble because. I'm looking up and getting, and I can't. So I want to do a teaching this morning if I can. But again, can we just thank Pastor David, Connor, Mead, Brad Jones, and the entire team who are impacting the schools? And it really is. It really, 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 really is spiritual warfare. All right, really quickly, Genesis 1, 26 says, uh, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God, so whatever God says, how many people know that God, you know, doesn't just kind of speak hyperbole? How many people know that? So if God says He's going to do something, He's going to do it. So God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then the very next verse says, so God created man in His image and His likeness. So that means that whatever God has said in your life, you can take it to the bank that God is not a man that He should lie, that He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to bring it to pass. Sometimes there's some warfare. Sometimes there's some resistance or some obstructionist because there is the, the presence of evil in the world. So there's always going to be a level of obstruction. But if God has said it, you can take it to the bank that it's going to come to pass. So, so Genesis 1 says that God created man. Genesis 2 is very interesting. Uh, Genesis 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man. So in, in Genesis 1, God created him. But in Genesis 2, God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. So you, you will find that we, you know, we couldn't have control over how we were created. You know, you were created because, you know, your dad got a little twinkle in his eye and, and so you're here today. You're here today because there was a moment. So you're here today. But, but can I just tell you that you're not, you're not just uh, a, a created mass of cells. I know they're trying to teach that in the schools. It, it completely defies science before we had ultrasound you know they could get away with it in the schools and then as we've got ultrasound and as we've got uh you know microbiology and and uh all that technology we've we've began to realize that no 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 actually the, there's a, a detectable drumbeat uh heartbeat sorry within six days that uh you know uh, by by 11 weeks everything's pretty much there it just needs to to grow out and and uh and so it's it's distinctly human that that you were created but what i found is that that being created is a wonderful thing. God has a plan and a purpose for me. But discipleship is all about God forming me. Wow. God formed man from the dust of the earth. In other words, God put his hands in the dirt and began to shape and began to mold and began to fashion. And, and I honestly believe that what our job is, is to take those that God created in Genesis chapter 1 and discipleship is the forming of them in Genesis chapter 2. And the greatest thing that we can do is put, put human beings, put people in our city into a place where God can not only just form them, but also breathe into them the breath of life and they become a living being. It, it, discipleship without the Holy Ghost is, is just a whole bunch of extra laws. It's just a whole bunch of extra regulations. It's just a, it's just a to-do list. It's a, uh, it's, it, it, you, you got to be careful because you can end up striving. It's like, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what's your goals for this month? What's your goals for this quarter? What's your objectives? And and see, before you know it, you become a human doing. The Bible says here that God breathed in a man's nostrils and he became a living being. He didn't become a living doing. He was a being before God put him in the garden. Because the next verse says, And the Lord God planted a garden, eastward and, eaten, and there he put the man. He didn't put the man into doing before man became a being. If, if you're doing, trying to be, it's, it's going to be, you've got the horse before the cart. No, hang on, is that right? The cart before the horse. The cart before the horse. You, you've got it round the wrong way. You've got it round the wrong way. I've got to tell you, the... Uh, some of, the, some of the, the saddest things that I've seen go on in, in, uh, you know, in leadership, whether it's an organization or in a church or anywhere, is when, when people are trying to do their way into being. Trying to do their way into being. If I could just do this, then I will be loved. We see that in the life of Leah. Now, if I, now, if I give my husband a son, then he will love me. Reuben, God has, God has seen you know, Levi, now my husband will be attached to me. Simeon, now, now you know, God has heard me. Now my husband will hear me. And, and she was trying to do her way into being. She was trying to do her way into being. It's one of the most miserable lives. Where we, we, you know, if I do enough, will, we'll, you know, Drew and Emma notice me? Will we'll John and Becky notice me? Will my campus pastors notice me? Will we'll God notice me? Before Jesus did one miracle, God says, you are. Yes, amen. Before he preached one sermon, you are my son. In whom I am well pleased. There was no daddy, look, no hands. Wow, boy. Daddy, I scored a touchdown. You're my son. And Jesus hadn't scored a touchdown, hadn't hit a home run, hadn't preached a sermon, hadn't performed a miracle. Before he did, God says, you are my son. This this is your being. Just be in his presence, just be in. And so, so here we see that. There's a there's a powerful moment, and we need to understand that that God does God does nothing by accident. In fact, the, the Scripture says that that wisdom was by His side when He created everything, and there was nothing that He created without first seeking the counsel of wisdom, in Proverbs chapter eight, which just shows you just the magnificence of God, and uh, how many times I've rushed ahead thinking I got this, didn't counsel you know didn't kind of seek wisdom's counsel. And then later, wisdom's like, yeah, I could have helped you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, and, uh, and so, so God does it. So when God creates, and then the next thing it says that He forms, and the next minute it says that he breathes. We, we want to create a discipleship. And you better believe that we're forming people. You know, we're challenging people. Hey, this, this path leads to death. This path leads to life. Make good choices. You and I are the sum total of our choices. That's why the Bible says, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So absolutely, we believe in choices. And so we believe in teaching. And, and uh, you know, we believe in grace. It's by grace that you are saved. I can't add anything to, to what Jesus did on the cross. However... You know, even though we are a grace church, Jesus came with grace and truth. And so we need to teach the truth. Why do we need to teach the truth? Because truth will set you free. Now, Jesus has already secured your eternity. Jesus has already delivered you from the power of the enemy. But I find that even though I'm delivered, I'm still kind of tangled. And so, what truth does is, truth will untangle your life. Truth will uncomplicate your life. Truth will also bring freedom into your life. Truth will bring wisdom into your life. you begin to delve into the truths of the Word of God, you will find the Word of God will make you smarter, it'll make you wiser, it'll make you sharper, it will make you better than all of your peers. All of your peers will look and marvel at the choices that you make, at the progress, at the the increase, at the favor, at the blessing, at the abundance, you know, of your life. When I look at, um, you know, my life, when I left engineering, went to Bible college, I remember there's always people who gossip about everything you do and one of the gossipers got back to me a whole bunch of my peers said ah oh, the church has sucked him in the church has sucked him in he's leaving a salary to go to bible college, stay away from the church that's what they do they'll take you out of you know a six figure income and they'll take you and they'll just you know mop the floor with you and then you know and uh, and I I remember years later when we when we when we moved back from New Zealand to, to Sydney uh, we went to a place called Homeworld because we we bought a, a piece of land in Warrriwood just around from summer's parents and, uh, and so we went out to Homeworld to look at you know what kind of house we were going to build on on this land and i 'll never forget the the very guy that gossiped about uh, oh the church really sucked him in. This is how good God is as we're walking out of the home that we chose of, as we walk out we're going to build this one. Uh, he was getting in his car and I saw him. And uh, he was building a house in the area where we grew up that was worth about a third of what our house was worth. So I just thought, my house is going to be, we're going to build the same house, but mine's going to be worth three times yours. (laughs) Glad I got sucked in. you know. Just the goodness of God. But I mean, really, really, of all, of all, so nine years, almost 10 years later, of all the people I'm walking out of, all the people to be getting in their car right in front of me, God is just like, "I got you, dog." He doesn't call me dog, but just putting it out there. <laughs> he has it a few times. So, <laughs> so can I just tell you that you know that the truth, you know, pour yourself into the Word of God and let and pour the Word of God into you. I'm telling you, it will make you, if, if the Word of God is in your mouth, see this day I've set you over. See this day I've set you over. We are a Word church. We love the Word. However, we're also a breath of God church. A breath of God church. We don't sing songs just to get to the preaching. But the whole purpose of, of the worship is so that the of God can come into your life. It's It's amazing because... The, the breath of God is the uh, of God. The Bible says that uh, Adam was taken from the dust of the ground. And the name Adam literally means earth or, 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 or sorry, the name Adam means man. But the name Adama, A-D-A-M-A-H, means ground or earth. So the name for the earth is Adama. And God reached into the Adama and he pulled out Adam. But Adam was was not complete until God breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living producing being just like the earth produces out of the ground out of the Adama the Lord God caused every tree to grow every herb every just like the earth was a life given you have people that worship the earth they call it Maya or whatever because they know that there's a life force in the earth that produces life you put a seed into the earth my God I put a seed in there a tree began to grow what is it about the earth well so God created Adam but Adam was never meant to be an inanimate object. Adam was meant to be a life-giving being. And so God has to take from Adama, Adam, and then put the ah back. When God says to Abram, who realized he's dead, he's 90 and his body is dead. His wife Sarai is 80. Her womb is dead. And then God says, now you're going to have a son. No longer shall you call your name Abram. And no longer shall she be called Sarai. From now on you are Abraham." Now you are Sarah. And it's the Ah of God. You'll find it's the Ah. The devil knows how powerful it is, so he tries to steal it. He tries to steal it. That's why it's Buddha. That's why it's Allah. Because he tries to bring the Ah of God. He tries to force it, but God will not breathe on idolatry. And God will not breathe on wickedness. And God will not breathe on false deities. He alone is God, and He directs His breath where He wills. And so God breathes into Abram, and he becomes Abraham, and Sarai becomes Sarah, and so all of a sudden life begins to flow. And and man, I don't understand why why churches have bought into the lie of the devil to somehow position people so that the breath of God can't enter them. When the breath of God entered uh, the the bones in. Uh, Ezekiel 37 he said son of man can these bones live and Ezekiel wanted to give God commentary based on what he saw based on the probability based on the impossibility but he knew he wasn't speaking with another man he was speaking with a God with whom all things are possible so the only answer he could muster is Lord you know and God says that's right boy he says now prophesy prophesy to the wind prophesy to the breath son and prophesy the breath of heaven and the bible says and the wind blew and these these bones became living became a mighty army and rose up again and then god the word of the lord came and said just like israel had lost battle and lost territory you know god was raising her up again and she would be a mighty force in the earth and and it was just a powerful prophetic word can i just tell you you and i need the breath of god worship is about letting the breath of god breathe into our lives we are word people thank god my wife is one of the Uh, best wordsmiths I know, because she's always listening to the Word. She's always in the Word. So she's a great wordsmith. She's a great preacher, great teacher. and uh, But I love the fact that she doesn't just finish there, that quite often she'll get up and she's got words of knowledge and she's praying for people. Let's never lose that dynamic. Let's never just be just a, a word and a teaching church at the expense. Come on, how many people know we need to be both, okay? So I say all of that, I say all of that to say this, the God God blessed them and said, "Be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, yeah. Be fruitful, multiply." I just want to show you something very, very simple. So, when Jesus first called the disciples, he said uh, he said two words to them. When he asked them to leave their nets, he says, "Leave your nets and, and what? Follow me." So, the the first the first uh the first phase of of Christianity is to follow is to follow, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, I had to become a follower. We don't immediately become a leader. In fact, the, the better that you follow, the better you'll lead. To the degree to which you can follow is to the degree to which you can lead. I too am a man under authority. In other words, I too am a man who follow orders. Because I am a man under that have submitted to being a follower, I can say to this one, go, and he follows through. I can say to this one, come, and he follows through. Because I'm a follower, I have authority, and I I attract other people to follow. Uh, A teacher, when, when a teacher stops being a learner, puts a ceiling over their teaching. If you're in real estate, you'll find that about every two or three years, you need to refresh. Your, your real estate course and your real estate license because things are shifting all the time. And if you fail to do that, you find yourself drifting off the edge into irrelevance. And so, so we are lifelong learners. So we are lifelong followers. I'm a, to the day I die, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But what I find is that there comes, uh, there comes a time where, uh, where, where God sees you following faithfully and then he, he now begins to call you a leader. He puts you into, you know, a level of leadership or, you know, a level of authority. It puts you into a level. He gives you responsibility. God took the man whom He had formed and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it, with the command to be fruitful and multiply. So there's just a season where you're faithful, and then God is going to, God is going to put you into a level of leadership, a level of authority, a level of responsibility. So our our coin terminology for discipleship is a disciple is someone who passionately pursues Christ and purposely produces Christ's followers, right? So that's kind of our, our, our term because in the world, a leader is someone who has followers. In the world, a leader is someone who has followers. John Maxwell says, if you're a leader and you look behind and no one's following, you're really not leading, you're just taking a walk. If I'm like, I'm a leader, look at me lead. Get my leadership badge. Get my leadership cap. Oh, got a little business card right here. Leader, you know. And, uh, and people are like, well, where are your followers? Um, uh, I don't have any. Well, then you're not really leading. You're just taking a walk. So he, he, So there's a truth in that. However, watch this. We don't get our definitions from the world we get our definitions from the word so for so long we've 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 done this we want passionate followers of Jesus Christ we have pathways connect grow serve lead because our goal is to produce leaders now watch this this is the ceiling so what we've defined as, or we've allowed the world to tell us, that a leader is somebody who has a bunch of followers. In other words, you know, uh, Melissa Higginbottom has a team of people who you know turn up to her home, and 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 she oversees this area. And so she has people that turn up, and so she's the leader, and they're the followers. You know, Dorothy Yang has a team of people that are involved in the assimilation and the next steps and all that kind of stuff. And so she's the leader, and they're the followers. You know, Pastor David is the the leader over my city youth, and. He has a bunch of, and so, so, so we think, okay, well, every, everything, every, every box is checked. And yet, growth is not exponential. In Acts chapter 6, it says when, when uh, the number of disciples were multiplied, the church grew exponentially. So the X factor here is that the world says a leader of followers, a leader of followers is success. But the kingdom says no it's not the kingdom says success comes with multiplication success comes only when this leader turns these followers into leaders that every single one if if we've got you know uh, 12 followers or five followers or six followers Your goal isn't just to cultivate followers, isn't just to have people on your team, isn't just to have a staff, isn't just to have workers, isn't even just to have producers. Your job as a leader of the followers is to turn those followers. When I look at Jesus Christ, Jesus followed the Father. He said, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. The miracles that I see... I just do what the Father tells me to do. I preach what the Father speaks into my ear. I do nothing apart from what my Father says. So Jesus was a great follower. Because of that, he was a leader who was able to say to the disciples, follow me. So they were followers. But Jesus kept giving them responsibility. He kept sending them out. He kept telling them to preach. Freely you've received now. Freely go and give. And then then he says, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to make disciples. In other words, I I want you not just to cultivate followers, but I want you To to be leaders of people that begin as a follower. They have to be a good follower. That's why they have to learn to serve. They have to learn to lay down their life. They have to learn how to be submissive. They have to learn how to take orders. But the goal isn't to leave it there. That I've got a great team of 30 people that do my bidding and do whatever. I said, no, no. Our goal is for them, for each one of these followers to now be leaders. What is a leader? A leader is only somebody with followers. So each of those people that you have on your team, they are now in intentionally reaching out, bringing other people in so that they can have a great vacation, knowing that they've trained someone up, they've developed somebody who can step into that role. And that person is already looking. This, this is how the church grows exponentially. A healthy church, most healthy churches have this, that we have, you know, a senior pastor, a leadership team, and then a bunch of volunteers, bunch of really great volunteers and and so we just keep adding the volunteers and then there's additional growth but multiplication growth exponential growth comes when we step in out of the world zone into the word or the God zone and understand it's not just sufficient for me to have a great team of followers my job is to make sure that all the people that that, you know around me that they become great leaders They're, they're leaders who have followers but then to coach encourage equip, exhort, empower them to take their followers and raise them up and prophesy and put the Word in them and put the breath of God in them so they move from followers to leaders that have followers. And then they move into their followers and they put the Word and they put the breath of God and they put the equipping and the empowering and then they become leaders from... Does that make sense? And that's when it becomes exponential. That's when it becomes exponential. That's when it becomes exponential. So I want you to look at your teams. I want you to look at what you preside over and understand that we think we think that God is is well pleased with us just doing our job but you know in the parable of the talents the guy says look you gave me this here it is I'll I'll give it back to you you should be happy you gave it to me I didn't lose it there was no loss I guarded it I put I buried it where no one could find it kept it secret and here you have back what is yours. And God says, you wicked, lazy servant. Because just giving me back, just being faithful with what, no, no. Faithfulness is actually increasing it. I need you to to increase what I gave you. I need you. So, so in the Bible, the Bible says that uh, Moses saw the promised land, but wouldn't, couldn't enter the promised land but Joshua the Joshua generation rose up and Joshua caused the sun to stand still and Joshua divided the, the land of Canaan, and Joshua distributed and Joshua you know, set out to all the 12 tribes and even the half tribe of Ephraim, Manasseh you know, Joseph's boys they got an inheritance along with the, uh, the 12 tribes and, and it was just, it was just you know, glorious Joshua looked amazing yet in the New Testament it only mentions Joshua twice and it mentions Moses over a 100 times When I look again in Kings, uh, in the New Testament, it mentions Elijah 27 times. And it only mentions Elisha once. Yet, Elisha did twice the miracles. He had a double portion of Elisha's anointing, and he performed twice the miracles. In, uh, In Charisma magazine, Elisha. Elisha the son of Shephat would have been yeah, heralded as a legend. We we right now would be going to, you know, Joshua seminars and, you know, how to take down your giants, how to conquer the territories, how to divide up, you know, how to march around your Jericho and see the walls come down. And, and we'd be buying all of his books and buying all of his tapes, getting him into preach. Come on, let's get Joshua to preach. And yet the economy of man is stuffed up compared to the kingdom of God, because God, when he's writing his international bestseller, says, yeah, Joshua, twice in the New Testament. Moses, a hundred times. Oh, what about Elisha? did twice the amount of miracles. Yeah, put him in the New Testament once, but put Elijah 27 times. Why would that be? Because Elijah raised up Elisha. Watch this. Because he multiplied himself, he didn't just give God back the anointing. In fact, he took that anointing and multiplied it in Elisha to Elijah, well done, good and faithful servant. All of Elisha's miracles are accredited to you. The Bible says this about Joshua. Watch this. It says, But, however, there arose a generation after Joshua who did not know the Lord, who did not walk in His ways. In fact, each man did what was right in his own sight. Joshua was a one-generation wonder and all of his fruit... All of his success, God did not attribute to Joshua, God attributed to Moses. Had Joshua had raised somebody up, had Joshua have multiplied, had Joshua had r- raised up followers and then turned them into multiplying leaders, Joshua would be all the way through our New Testament. But because, see, we, we just look at the current, we just look at, oh my gosh, look at all theirs, we attribute it to Joshua. It's not Joshua. It's not your I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to do all this on my own. The reason we have a culture of honor is because I'm smart enough to realize I'm not smart enough. It's because of what I learned sitting under Pastor Phil is because of what I learned when I was at Hillsong Bible College and watching Brian and Bobby over the years it's because of what I've learned from a season in New Zealand under John and and more it's it's because of what I've learned from watching these great people it's what I've learned from these other people and so the reason that we honor is because I know that what is in me I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to reach for I wouldn't have been able to receive unless there was a season where I got to sit under that and I know the outworking of that in my life is only because of an impartation come on somebody that came from there so I know that when we get to heaven a lot of my fruit will be attributed to their success for discipleship don't ever think that God is is impressed with just what you do the first commandment wasn't hey build a big bridge what about building a skyscraper have you guys thought of like building a state no God didn't wasn't stadiums God just said be fruitful and multiply Adam's like, yeah, but oh, I've got an engineering, just be fruitful and multiply. But what about I could build like this awesome bridge, just be fruitful and multiply. What about an opera house, an opera house buy a bridge? be fruitful and multiply what God is most impressed with is be fruitful and multiply it's not just good enough for you to have a team of servants or a team of volunteers or a staff what God is looking for is for you to equip and empower them to go from followers to leaders what is a leader a leader is someone with followers what is the kingdom is someone who is not just content to be a leader of followers but a leader who disciples and empowers followers to become leaders themselves. Does that make sense? Did you catch that this morning? Come on, if you receive that, give God a great shout. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.